the life of Jesus, starting, of course, with his birth on Christmas, and then his journey into Egypt, and then his return journey, and as he grew as, and went into the temple and talked with the teachers there and how significant that was, even though that's just a blurb, that's all we have for the youth of Jesus, okay? But every step of it is very important and applicable to us today, including the teaching, because he submitted himself to learn from the teachers of the temple. And now we're going to take an interesting turn because just as the Bible does, it kind of leaps forward to when he's a, an adult. And this is going to, I went to John, uh, which is uh, a favorite book of mine. Usually it is uh, uh, also suggested for people who have just come, um, who've just come into the salvation. And they usually offer the book of John, the reason being that it is also filled with love. Find the love of Jesus, and it's very, the very essence of it is the spiritual portion. And in, in uh, the Bible study, I spoke about what your identity is. It's not just the physical that you are, it's your spiritual as well, that you belong to the Lord. He knows every cell, every part of you materialized to spiritual as well. And it's his heart's desire that you turn to him, recognize him, know who he is, and accept him into your heart. So I started with John, and it actually talks about Jesus in another format. We would stand for the reading of the word, John 1, 1 through 6. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you for the ministry that he was born to, ministry born to die. But all through that he touched humanity. All through that he reached out and loved humanity, in healing, in the miracles that he's done, in the teachings that he's done. Heavenly Father, he's still teaching today. He's alive today. He's within us. Whenever we ask Jesus into our heart, yes, we are his vessel. And he is reaching out to others, loving and teaching. And that same point, we are also witnessing. John the Baptist was a witness for Emmanuel, God among us. And Heavenly Father, we are getting a lesson from John as he reaches out, filled with the Holy Spirit, teaching individuals, guiding them toward the Savior. Heavenly Father, that is active today. It is active in each of our walks. And Lord, teach us now how valuable our lives are to our surrounding individuals 
to show the light of eternal life. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Okay. Introduce Jesus as the creator. And you can find him in Genesis. Creation of the world, in creation of mankind, in creation and everything that's around you. God created the world. Jesus is the word. And we were talking this morning about the word. So... Jesus is in our lives, guiding us, a vessel toward us. How much do we acknowledge this in our daily lives? How much do we say, Lord, this is your day. What do you want to do with it in our lives? Do we have that much trust over a creator who created us in the first place, knows us better than ourselves, that we can give the day and our plans over to him? How much trust is that? And yet he demands that of us. He wants us to trust him because he knows better than I. He knows better than we do. And he has plans for us. He's established that. He's established the plans, but the problem is we have this wall called sin. And when we give it over to him, we have to acknowledge that. We have to realize it, that we have a sin state that's actually putting a shroud in between us and God and blocking the light. We can remove that shroud by giving the sin over to him. That's what we did in communion. Recognizing that Jesus took that sin off of us. And now you have the privilege of going to your Father in heaven in prayer, come toward him, and have a relationship. I mean, when I was... was um, Younger, I never, 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 see, I'm getting old so I can say that. I never, never, never thought that I could have a relationship with God. A relationship, he's up there and I'm down here. He created us and that's it. And now you take care of your own life. That's not the intent. It never was. And when I learned that, it changed my life. So that is what the witness is all about. How many people are struggling with their own lives, trying to resolve things, trying to live their own lives all alone, not realizing that they have the love and powerful God who actually can direct their very step for a day, for the very day that you wake up into. John the Baptist brought that home. He was a bit of a fire and brimstone kind of guy. So when he spoke... He was nailing people to remove that sin. It was his witness because he didn't have a whole lot of time. I'm going to tell you now, we don't have a whole lot of time. It's the period of grace. It's the church age, what we call the church age, where there is forgiveness and it's the time to speak of the Lord. But there'll be a time when that comes to an end. John didn't have a whole lot of time. So it was very important for him to really zone in, really pinpoint on Jesus. The witness for Emmanuel. Jesus didn't walk this world very long. John was the one who would pave the way and introduce him to the world. And he did it 
in a very rough way. We too have our surroundings where we can share that kind of love. And it's love that you share. It's his love that you share. And he did it along with baptism. What a wondrous message is baptism. Go ahead, Em. His witness, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the shaft with unquenchable fire. This is a picture of John, and he's preaching to the individuals. This is kind of a bit of the fire and brimstone that he spoke about, but he's speaking the truth because actually what he was doing is witnessing for the coming of, of Jesus. He was waiting for him and introducing him to the crowds that was there before him. And this is a very important thing because you never know when Jesus is coming. And we are here now to introduce Jesus to our fellow man. He did this by revealing that they were in a sin state. Well, so does the law do that. Moses' law shows you the sin state. But what you need is a solution. And so he talks about the solution. He baptizes with water. What is that all about? What is the baptizing of water? What's that got to do with anything? And that in this business about uh, the one who's coming that's more powerful than he is, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he is speaking of a one that is going to actually save mankind for eternity, not a political man. Not a super talented man, but someone who is walking for your future identity beyond this life. Because this life is so short, it's so sparing, and you sure don't want to be stuck with the filth of sin. So it is a desperate message. It's a loving message because you're caring for individuals. All man has sinned. Everyone has sinned. But you don't want to have that stuck on you. You want that filth removed. Telling him about this individual who is so powerful because he's God. He's God himself. And he is going to take that sin. And he himself will pay the price. How worthy is he? That he didn't even feel that he could carry his sandals. That he could even do that. And the funny thing is, John knew all of this because of the Holy Spirit. He had an understanding of what this is. How intense was it for John feeling this to share this out? Don't you know, he says, don't you feel it? Don't you know your state? Look what's coming. What a gift. What a gift. His whole life was for that. He lived in the desert. He couldn't care about society or any of that. He lived with, lived just in furs. He ate what he could find. Locust. That wasn't what mattered. He showed and personified how material does not save you. 
but this one who's coming is. And so he was a very powerful man speaking this word to individuals. Then he talks about baptizing. What is that all about? What a mystery is that? Baptizing is very important because it was indicating what actually you accepting of Jesus Christ and it's a witness to everyone else that you receive the Lord as your personal savior. Now that sounds like a bunch of words. It wasn't to John the Baptist. And it sure wasn't to the, the countryside. People came in droves to him. So much so that you had some of the Pharisees come up and say, what's going on here? Who do you think you are doing this, claiming this, baptizing people in, in, in this name? Who do you think you are? He told them. He told them. So he baptizes in water. But the one who comes is going to baptize in the Holy Spirit and fire. And fire? What does that mean? What is the job of the Holy Spirit? What does he do? He teaches. He counsels. He also has all the gifts. And in the Pentecostal way, we believe that those are gifts are in effect. We believe the Holy Spirit is the same. He's the same as the past and present and the future. He is here to counsel us, be part of us, and be with us. And it's Jesus who gives him to us. He even says so. I go to my Father and I will send the counselor. I will send the counselor. An added gift. It's not only <coughs> Jesus, but you also receive the Holy Spirit who counsels. And next week you're going to, or I think here, we're going to be seeing how interesting this is. The baptizing that is done. What does the Holy Spirit do? Why is it important that we have it? Why is it important that Jesus would have the Holy Spirit? Well, number one, he convicts. That's what the fire is. The fire of truth, the conviction that you are in this sin state. And then there is the answer that comes. And the end result is a very odd picture. Chaff, unquenchable fire. I don't know if you know what winnowing is, but there is a time coming, and it's after the period of grace, it is after the period of church, and it's when there is the divisions. And it's very similar to the action that the, the people in the field did, separating the chaff from wheat. And take a fork, you would lift it and throw it in the air. What dropped down and fell down? Okay, was the wheat and the chaff blew away and was gone. He will keep the wheat, but the chaff will be gone. The ultimate presence and the picture of this is a total separation from God. It is a huge description of the darkness because the light wasn't accepted. Jesus talks a lot about hell. He talks a lot about it. Because it is not 
your destiny. It was never meant to be your destiny. And yet people choose to not follow him. People choose to mock him. People choose to turn from him. They don't receive the Holy Spirit. They don't receive enlightenment. They don't receive the love that he actually put in his creation that belongs to him. That's his heart's desire, is that you come to the understanding of who God is through Jesus Christ and have a relationship. That is not your destination. Your destination is to be with the Lord. I don't speak much about hell, the love of God, but a lot of other fire and brimstone preachers in the past have painted hell as your final destination if you do not receive Jesus Christ as the Lord. It is the truth. But I feel that you get more people with honey. You get more people with love. I paint the picture of Jesus' crucifixion, how the pain that he went through, all of that, because he loves you that much that he gave his blood to clean you, that you are something special. And that's the message I always do. But you know what? That's not what this man did. Am I preaching wrong? Am I a soft preacher? I can turn right around and say, you're going to hell. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you're on your way to hell. You better come forward and ask the Lord into your heart and be baptized. Because that's your destiny. I'd rather say your destiny is God's heart's desire, which is the heavenlies with him forever. Living in the light in unbelievable beauty. You can't even imagine what your eternal destiny is like. And even Jesus says, I'm building a home for you. So it's personalized. He knows you and loves you when you have him as your Savior. So yes, he said this, because that's the alternative. But I'm telling you, know your Lord Jesus. Ask him into your heart. And yes, you have to admit to him that he's wrong so he can take the sins upon his body. If you don't, say to him that you are a sinner, that you've done wrong. He can't take it and cleanse it. Go ahead, Em. Now we're getting to the baptism part. What is this all about? Then Jesus came from Galilee. The one is coming now. Here he's been, John's been working so hard. He's been preaching. He's been baptizing. He's been talking to individuals in preparation for this one. And then all of a sudden, there he is. Have you ever had a there he is moment? Have you ever had a there he is moment? That moment happens when you suddenly realize the truth of Jesus Christ and what he's done. And you, are, you all of a sudden have a realization of his identity. This is it. This is it. This is the love I've been looking for. This, this is it. And he loves me. And I love him. Where have I been? I know that was the moment for me. Where have I been? I've lived my life this long and not known this? How many people are out there who can say the same thing? And all of a sudden, there he is. 
There's the understanding. There's what I'm searching for. There's the value of who I am. There's the reason why I was born. Right there, my own creator. And I can have a relationship with him on so many levels. So all of a sudden, here you see, John's preaching right along, and he's preaching, and he's baptizing, and he's doing his work, and oh, boy, all of a sudden, there he is. There he is. He came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Do you come to me? And then Jesus says a very strange thing. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. John consented and baptized Jesus. Have you ever wondered why? Hey, look, wait a minute, this is how it works. I've been saying this now the whole sermon. Uh, I'm a sinner, I need to confess my sin, and ask Jesus in my heart, and then be baptized. But Jesus is being baptized, and yet he's sinless. He's sinless. Why is he going through baptism? It's one answer. Because Jesus does receive the Holy Spirit. There is a there is a very and that's a good answer. There is a very good reason, and it's in the term righteousness. Righteousness, which is being right with God. It's a pathway to be right with God. And Jesus is establishing that pathway. And it involves the Holy Spirit as well. You realize that not only did Jesus get I thought he was God. Wouldn't he have the Holy Spirit already? What's with this? Doesn't he already have the Holy Spirit? No. God watched over him, but he received the Holy Spirit after baptism. And that's a big deal. Okay? It's a big deal. We'll talk about that next Sunday. We'll find out, show up. Jesus was making a pathway. Do you ever think that there is a timeline and it's a direct pathway, and sometimes you see pictures of it where there's the cross that's laid over two cliffs and you have to walk over it? Jesus is going to become the firstborn of the dead. And he is creating, he's creating by his walk, by his struggles, by his way, by all he's done as an example to the very point of him being the only one dying on the cross to pay the price. That pathway, when you accept Jesus, it's called following Jesus. And you're following exactly the path that he has set for you. And you can't out-complain out him. You can't say anything other than, I follow you, Jesus, because he's been there and done that before you even thought of it. And this is exactly what he's talking about. He's telling John, I have to set up the righteousness. It has to be done, that righteousness. What am I talking about? You see, water is very important because not one, only one thing, it cleanses. So representing the cleansing, but how does that cleanse? When you accept Jesus and you admit your sin, that is painful.
people. That is, that is a work on your own pride, your own character, to admit this. And it was the pain that was on the cross that received those wounds that you are admitting to. In other words, here's another famous statement. You murderer. You killed Jesus. I had a person say that to me in a Bible study. She was struggling with it. When you're a Christian, when you're, you killed Jesus. But she was right. She was right. It's your sins that wounded him. And that's what he gave up for. And when you come forward and you realize that, that hurts. Oh my gosh. This is what he died for? For this wrong, that wrong, this wrong. And it's like, all of a sudden, the whole slate comes out and you suddenly realize all of those sins that you're carrying around like this is lifted up and said, oh, oh my word, I did this to you and you're taking it from me. You're taking it from me. How is that represented? Your death. You can't die on the cross. And your death isn't indicated until your time is up. So when you follow Jesus' death, they stand you in the water and they drop you down as an image of on the cross into the water. Down. Can't breathe down there, you know. It's like going in a tomb. Some pastors will hold you down there for a while. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> I'm giving that indication of what it's like in the water. That's what it means. And then John the Baptist did that portion. He did the repentant portion of baptism and brought him up. Brought him up. Jesus had to do the other half. That's the Coming up, resurrection, brand new person. And this is why he was telling John, this is the righteousness. We have to do this together to unite baptism to make it work. Otherwise, if you stayed with, with what John did, you'd be in there. You understand? So John was doing this, but Jesus had yet to go to the cross to come up. Has me now because it's going to happen. Why is that so important? Because sins are forgiven from all the way back to the time that there was disobedience in Genesis. That was forgiven. Abel's murder is forgiven. Genesis, when they disobeyed, Jesus obeyed God and went to the cross. You see the reverse? When Abel was murdered, Jesus was murdered and forgave. God said, do you not hear the screams of your brother, Abel? All that time, God was listening to the screams up to his son's death, where he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. 
Abel was never able to do that. He couldn't because he was murdered. Jesus was murdered, but his last words was life words spoken to God in prayer saying, forgive them. Now there is resurrection for every one of you. And you become a child of God. You're his child. That's your destiny. And that's how I prefer to witness to you. That's your destiny. And you know what? He gives you the Holy Spirit. You ask him. You ask him. Jesus asks the Father to give you the Holy Spirit when you ask him to And he's your counselor, your guider, your comforter. He opens the word for you. So you have an understanding of what is being said, applicable to you, so that you can share it in your testimony of your life with someone else. Don't let anybody tell you that you're nothing. Don't let anybody tell you of your value, because they don't know your relationship with God. But you have the power to go and say, hey, let me tell you about your destiny and who you really belong to and how special you are. There isn't too many people who don't want to hear that. There's a lot of people who are walking down feeling pretty useless. So this is a pathway. That's what baptism is. It's a pathway. Baptism does not save. It is a witness that you are saved because that happens before. You have to accept Jesus Christ and follow him in order to follow him into the water and rise back up again so everybody can see you die with Jesus on the cross and you're a risen child of God. That's what baptism is. Is it important? You bet it is. You bet it is because you do become changed. When you come up out of the water, you are totally new. And those sins that you're dragging around that's rehearsed in your brain is taken away. And you're a brand new infant in Christ. And he is your father and he takes care of you no matter what history you've ever had. Go ahead, Andy. And this water symbolizes baptism that now, that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I didn't make it up. It's right there in the Word. You belong to the Lord. If you don't know him, if you don't know him, you're missing so much and you're with this world that doesn't want you to know him. Don't be that way. Don't be that way. There's anybody here who does not know the Lord. There's anybody here who is struggling and don't have, doesn't have the identity, who's never thought that they could have a relationship 
I'll talk to you later outside. In a way you will never forget him. And we'll say a prayer together so that he can be your savior for the rest of your life. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for the answer to the sin, the original sin, and the sins afterwards, and the sins of the future. You gave your one and only son. How much love is that? You gave all that you are. How important is that? Heavenly Father, you created us for you, and it is your will. It is your desire that people come to the saving knowledge. And Lord, we look to you. We look to you to guide us every day because you call yourself a father and we are but children. And we do not see what you see. We do not know what you know. But we sure do. We are your ambassadors because we know what you do and that we sense and feel your love and your guidance, your protection. And we have an understanding and solid, solid belief of our destiny. Heavenly Father, you change lives all the time. Change the lives of individuals here today. You filled with life. You created life. And we're going to watch your wonders. In Jesus' name.